so you guys were given a list last week. We're in uh, working through Revelation chapter 7, which we're not going to read all that because we've read it like five times in the last, you know, eight weeks or, or what have you. But we are officially, on our this is our one-year mark <laughs> that we've been in Revelation, and we've made it. We're almost through chapter 7. So we've only got like 15 more years to go, I think, and we'll, and, and we'll, be, we'll be done with Revelation. But a lot of theology, huh? I mean, man, we have, we, we have traveled through a lot of Scripture throughout the Word of God and dealt with a lot of different things. So that, that ought to say something to you, you know, about, about Scripture. But I gave you a list. So we've, we've talked about these 12 tribes in the list that's given at the beginning of Revelation chapter 7. And if you don't have one, let me give you one. That way you can, you can be on the same page with us. You got supposed one? to bring the list with us to class? Uh, no, just for those who didn't have it. You know, the rest of you, well, hey, open your Bible. Anybody else? Anybody else, Susan? This is it. This is the last one. Susan had her hand up. Oh, you're good. All right, Darren. They had theirs memorized. All right, so so I gave you that list, and here's the thing I want to point out. That list is, is not in the differences in terms of order. Okay, That wasn't the purpose. The purpose is to clearly show you who's missing, right? And where where they're missing and where they show up again, etc. That's what that list is for. And we're gonna, we're, it, it doesn't lay out all the other differences in the list. So we're gonna talk about that today, because man, there is just, you know, we have this tendency. We'll read that list, right? Or we'll we'll read genealogies and all these different things, and we'll just, how fast can I get through that? If you read it at all, <laughs> I mean, a lot of believers, man, that's boring stuff. I'm not going through that list of names. And then even if you do, you kind of do it quickly, and you don't put a whole lot of thought into or even research or, or look up, well, what, what's the importance? I mean, God wanted you to know this genealogy for a reason. Well, the bloodline of Christ. Well, yeah, I mean, there's one reason right there. Probably the most important reason is the bloodline of Christ, absolutely. But embedded also in there is a lot of information that connects and ties to other passages of Scripture. And I hope you're going to see that today, because to me... I'm kind of nerdy about this kind of thing, though, right? But to me, this is actually amazing. And it's, it's really important. And I think you're going to learn a couple things you've probably never heard before. Could be wrong, but I think you're going to see a couple things that you haven't been taught or you haven't heard before or seen, but yet it's right here, okay? So we have this list that's given to us at the beginning of this chapter. And this chapter, remember, chapter 7 is a change in perspective, right? And this change in perspective, we're now, we're in heaven. We're seeing an event taking place in heaven. And God wants you to know about this event. And it starts out with God just telling these angels, hold on, and I'm paraphrasing like mad, so this is, you know, hold on, he's telling these angels, hold back the destruction that's about to come until something takes place. Right? And it's the sealing of these 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Very specific, very specific number, names the tribes, etc. So you go down this list. And then from there, 
when we get to verse 8 and, and on, all of a sudden, we're, we're in a whole nother scene, right? Or it's not a whole nother scene, but we're in a, we're, we're, there's a distinguishing factor between these 12 tribes that are sealed location-wise. And we get the very clear impression that these tribes, this 144,000 that's listed, are on earth. And, and now we're looking at a multitude from all the nations that are gathered before the throne. And God wants us to see this multitude from every tribe, tongue, from every nation on, on earth that's come out of the great tribulation. And they're before the Lord. So we have this contrast. And so the question is, God, why, why do we see this scene? What's this scene telling us about? And remember, we're going through the, the four primary, and really we've added a fifth, right? Uh, the four primary positions or teachings about how you interpret Revelation. And I'm not going to go over all that again and why that's important, but we need to look at all of those and not be so solidly uh, in one particular viewpoint or position, okay? Uh, so we're going through that, and, and we've added this fifth element of, man, the whole bride and groom process, because this is that backdrop that is there all through Revelation. This is all going to lead to a wedding feast. And so there's wedding language, Hebrew wedding language that's embedded in Revelation, and God wants us to know that, and it's important to how we view it. So now we've kind of got this fifth element that most people don't even talk about, right? But yet it's there, and we need to know about it, and we need to look at it and overlay it and look at, well, how does it, you know, how does it correspond? So that's already given us a little different, another fresh insider viewpoint about who these 144,000 are. So what about this list? Man, why, what is it about this list? What's different? And this is that, we're going to kind of throw this out here now. What did you guys find that's different about this list? All right, Stephanie, you got enough? Get after it. Okay. <laughs> Two and a half minutes, start now. Because no, I, I found it very fascinating. I did actually, I know he was talking about genealogy. And he yeah. Read through it. I actually took the time and have gone through Adam all the way to the 12 tribes. And it's really fascinating. Mm. So if you ever have a chance, it takes time, but it's really interesting. But Levi, number one, is not in there because they were considered the priests. And, but then what was interesting in the first, in the inheritance part of it, the two sons of Joseph were then added for Manasseh and Ephraim. But in this case, only one of them is added, and then Joseph is entered back in. Mm -hmm. so there's what about, there's well, another one entered back in. Yeah, one of the things, though, uh, is, and if you do some study there, whenever they mention Joseph, say that basically that's representation of Ephraim and instead of you know they use Joseph but it could have been Ephraim so so we've got a representation in Joseph but yet it's Joseph's name that's back and Ephraim's gone but Manasseh is there mm -hmm. right so we've got two of the sons we got the Levites something going on with the Levites that we see in this list Dan, Dan something's going on with the tribe of Dan because they're not in the list, right? But God kicked out the Levi tribe, the Levi's, and said these are mine, and they're supposed to be the ministers. So the Levites have been picked out by God, given another designation. And Dan got, Dan got kicked out because of all the idolatry. Man. 
well, shoot, I thought this class was going to be cool. <laughs> you guys know it all, or not? Just kidding. So Dan's been kicked out, yeah. looks and, like. And Reuben, the firstborn, is not the first listed here either. Judah is. Judah is. But, but that wasn't the case before, right? right? I mean, you've got three lists. By the way, that's not the only three lists. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but in these three primary lists that we have here, we've got some real differences. Okay? So, so, and these are all, these are all really cool things. So what does all that mean, right? So the question we're exploring in this and looking at this list is really kind of, it's two questions. Does the order of the list matter? Does it have significance? Is there something that God wants, or is this just, you know, just, that just happens to be the way it was written, you know? So is there meaning to it? Is there significance for it? And has it changed before? Right? So going right back to that, what's that, what's that primary lesson in translate or not translating, but interpreting scripture? Man, ex man, that's exactly right. I should have drawn something on the board, but, but, and I can't remember the word right at the moment, but if you just kind of take this triangle and put it upside down, and I saw this one scholar writing this up and all this, and he, so he said, here's, here's how you always have to think about that rule, is if you take a triangle and put it upside down, right, so the point is pointing down, or one of the points, right? So we don't, it's pointing straight down, and you have a passage of scripture or a section of scripture that you're looking at represents that point that's on the bottom. Man, we want to interpret, first and foremost, we want to interpret that passage of scripture, or that verse, or, or that word, or whatever we're looking at, we want to look at it in the context of the rest of the Bible, right? And, and is it, are we told something about that from the rest of Scripture, the whole counsel of God, right? So Scripture is the first place we go to interpret Scripture, okay? It's not scholar so-and-so, it's not Apollos, right? It's not Paul, Although they're all wonderful, but they're, they're not the arbiters of our faith. They're not the ones who determine exactly what Scripture means. Scripture does, and, and the Holy Spirit's been given to us for a reason, right? Jesus told us that. He's going to lead us into the truth. He's going to guide us into the Word, and Scripture's not going to contradict itself. Now, you may see something. Don't get me wrong. You're going to see things in Scripture that you're not going to understand, or you're going to try to make this correlate. You're not going to get it. And it may even border on a contradiction, okay? But Scripture doesn't contradict itself, so go deal with that, <laughs> right? I mean, that's where we wind up. Go deal with that. To deal with it, what does it mean? It means you better go dig in, right? Better, better have a heart to search. And this is a lifetime process, guys. So, so we go back to Scripture, and kind of here's our questions. Is there meaning to it? Is it significant? Has it changed before? Well, well. Let's take a look. I mean, we've already mentioned some. So the answer is, yeah, clearly it's changed before. Well, is this the only place that it's changed? Where we see it right here in Revelation chapter 7? Or has it changed elsewhere? And what's the significance of that? Well, here's a big one. We've talked about, I mean, we're looking at Ephraim and Manasseh, right? What do we know about Ephraim and Manasseh? Man, they're sons of Joseph. What else do we know? Now, one thing, Jacob, when he laid his hands on, he, on the two sons, he actually switched them 
because Joseph actually told him, hey, Dad, that's the wrong way. And yeah. He told him, yeah. All right, you jump in this. Hold back. Hold the reins, man. You asked. What else do you know? <laughs> you asked. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get to the certain parts. I'm going to go, okay, Stephanie. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I tried, Stephanie. You know, you just get so excited. You do. You're like, man, let's get it out there. But you're right on. That's right. And we're going to look at that, right? So, man, there's a tribal addition. How many tribes are there in that first list that we look at back in starting in Genesis, what, 29 or what have you. Man, how many are there? How many sons does Israel, right? Jacob, his name changed to Israel. How many sons does he have? He has 12. He's got 12 sons. He's actually got 13 kids, right? He's got a daughter. Okay, So he's got 12 sons. So these are the 12 tribes of Israel. But yet we have something happen that changes the list. And this is, Joseph has two sons, right? Mm -hmm. Well, why would that change the list? How does Joseph's sons, why does Reuben's sons, you know, Issachar's sons, Naphtali's sons, Gad's sons, Dan's sons, how come their sons aren't made tribes? Ding, 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 all of a sudden, man, this should, wait a minute. Why are the sons of Joseph added into the tribal they're they're added into the tribes themselves. Man, this is significant. I mean, that should be a question that jumps right out because none of the other sons sons got made into tribes. They were clans. They were sons. The head of their tribe, Benjamin, Issachar, Naphtali, Gad, Dan, Simeon, Reuben, etc. Right? They were in that tribe. They were not tribes themselves. They were clans within their father's tribe. Okay? So why why does this happen? And the net effect is we don't have 12 tribes anymore. We have 14 total tribes that are created. Now this has a theological implication on several levels. Okay? Several levels. Man, all the way back in the Old Testament. 14 tribes, two are created. And they're made sons of Israel. Man, they're equal to Reuben and Simeon and Joseph. Even to their own father, Joseph. How in the world does that happen? I'm waiting for the answer. You're waiting? (laughs) i got to build it up, man. i got to build it up, but give it to me. (laughs) So how does this happen? Somebody go grab Genesis 48. That's going to be Rick. Yeah, I see uh, Genesis 48 up there about three times. I'll take all of Genesis. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna. So you're gonna stay. You're gonna camp in Genesis 48. All right. So Rick is gonna be our Genesis 48 guy. All right. So Genesis 48 one through six. Remember, here's that question we're asking: How in the world does Ephraim and Manasseh get promoted to being a tribe, to being equal to their father, equal to the other sons of Jacob? Go ahead. Sometime later, Joseph was told, Your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before 
I came to you, here will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Any children born to you after them will be yours. In the territory they inherit, they will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. Wow. Man, there's a, there are several significant things just in those few verses. You, Nolene, under her breath, said a really important theological point that we see from this. What was that? He adopted them. Wow. So you, you've got this concept of adoption, right? What are we? I'm adopted. We are adopted, and when we're adopted into the kingdom, into the family of God, we are made what? Sons. And daughters. Man, we are, oh yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, you know, women came out of the rib of <laughs> Sons and daughters, that's right. We are family. Man, we are, we are up here. So there's these amazing theological points. That are, that are in this, and we don't take time to, if we, if we just skip, oh, that's just the 12 tribes of Israel, 144,000, if we just blow through that and go, hmm, I wonder why that's there, but forget about it, we're not going to get the significance of this stuff. We have to ask these questions, and we've got to be willing to dig and challenge ourselves according to Scripture, right? So, wow, man, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask a quick question. Is, is that the only two sons that Joseph had? Well, that's an interesting one, right? Well, yeah, because I mean, he, uh, I mean, he adopted those two. I was just curious whether or not Joseph had any others. Well, even if Joseph does have, we don't know, right? But even if he does have other sons, the only two we know about are these two. Okay? Yeah, they said before I came to you. Here, okay, so. No, no, go ahead, read that. Uh, it says now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you, here will be reckoned as mine. So man, these two sons are born out of yeah. man. They're they're not even in the tribes when they're born. So who's who's their mom? Mm -mm. Man, we don't ever stop to think about that, do we? Who is their mother? God tells us who their mother is. Okay, she's a priest. She's the daughter of a priest of On. She's an Egyptian woman. She's not just an Egyptian woman. She's the daughter of one of the high priests of a foreign god. That's crazy. <laughs> now, we're not going to chase rabbits on that one, but that gets really interesting too. I mean, so here's this foreign god, an Egyptian god, an Egyptian woman. And Joseph's never told, hey man, get rid of her. He's never told that. That's his wife. Now, you go to this adoption theology, theological point, right? This is made even more powerful when you go back and, and, and well, we'll get to that. <laughs> right. But Joseph, the name Joseph itself means may God Add. So these two sons born to Joseph in Egypt, whom Jacob didn't even think he would ever see Joseph again. He's going to tell us that. Let alone here he is with his sons who were born from a, a foreign woman. 
who's the daughter of a priest of a foreign god. Right? And, and his name, Joseph, means may God add. Somebody grab Genesis chapter 30, verse 24. Who's going to get that for me? You got that? <laughs> Siri's going to do it in, in, in his English voice. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, Jeff's got it. She named him Joseph. May the Lord add another son to me. Ooh, now we get a, a little more extension. Not only is it may God add, but may God add what? 30, 24. Chapter 30, verse 24. Another son. another son. May God add another son to me. Now, that's really fascinating. Huh? In verse 22, that's his mom. Joseph's mom was Rachel. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Joseph, Jacob had several wives, right? And concubines. So, his mother's Rachel. Benjamin's mother is Rachel. Who's the son that was added before she died? Benjamin. Benjamin. Benjamin is the son who was added. And Rachel's the woman that he really wanted to marry. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he was tore up when Rachel died. On, on his way to Egypt. Okay? Rachel died. So, so we're, we're in this fascinating thing where Joseph himself made God add, okay? And God does add. God adds in several ways, okay? God adds, I mean, this is Rachel's firstborn son in her lineage, right? And, and, and we, are, we know kind of the dispute going on between her and Leah and all that kind of good stuff, right? So God hears her and gives her this son Joseph, her firstborn son, and she's grateful to God and celebrates God by, by naming him. May God add to me a son. But that's even prophetic again in a way because at the moment she's going to die, she's giving birth to a, another son. And then Joseph's sons are Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh's the eldest, right? And they're made tribes equal to their father and, and the other brothers. That's amazing theology built into that. Okay, so has the, has the order of the list changed anywhere else? So we see this very significant change taking place. Where else in Scripture do we find a change? Well, it's in Numbers. Okay, so we're going to have a few places in Numbers uh, that we're going to read. So I need somebody to be my Numbers reader. Anybody? It'll all be in Chapter 1. You got that? All right. So... Here we go, in Numbers chapter 1, so remember last week we were talking about the 144,000 and the division, right? So you have 12 times 12 is 144, there's significance in gematria and all this stuff in, the, in Hebrew that's important. It's nice round numbers, it's 12, there, there wasn't just 12,000 people in the tribes, right? But 12,000 from the 12 tribes, you get 144. We, we discover that, hey, when a census is taken, in the Old Testament, the, the supermajority of the time that the census is taken, it's for battle. It's to, it's to say, hey, how many warriors do we have? Well, we see this happening in numbers. God orders a census and a list to be made. And he tells them, you're going to go to each head of the tribes, and you're going you're gonna to count. You're going to count based off the, the tribal head and their clans and then their sons within each clan. 
up to, you know, starting at the age of 20 and up. Okay, and these are war fight. This is what's our, what are we able to, to do here, right? He could have told them right off the bat. He could have told them, right? But he's telling them to do it. Okay, you're going to take this census. So Moses and Aaron does exactly what the Lord tells them to do and gathers the tribes. Well, we see a list again. As a matter of fact, in one single chapter, the list is going to change not one time, but two times. So, so the order of the listing changes twice just in the book of Numbers. So we got to kind of step back for a second and say, is there meaning and significance to the change? Well, the answer is yeah, there sure is. We can also get really wacky and crazy coming up with all kinds of reasons for these changes. And, and we do that at times. But it changes. I mean, you can go to, go to Numbers chapter 1 and just start reading, starting about verse 4 or 5, and you're going to see the names. And the names, by the way, really, when you think about it, this is like the fourth time the list has changed because starting the very first list, doesn't follow the original listing starting with the eldest son. And in, in Hebrew, in, in, in the Israelite culture and many ancient Near Eastern cultures, right? And really, you can expand beyond that into, into Gentile. Well, anybody outside of Israel, right, is, is Gentile. That we do that. Our firstborn son is typically the heir uh, to the household, what have you, gets more than the others, on and on it goes, right? Well, in Numbers chapter 1, starting about verse 4 or 5, you start seeing this list. And the, and the heads of the tribes are named, named off. They're not in order. They're, they, they're not in the original order from Genesis 29 and 30 and all. They're, they're not in that order of the eldest son to the youngest son at all. They skip around. Then you go a little further down later in, in the same chapter. You know, down at come on in. Down in the down in the verses, you know, like twenty-seven through thirty something. You you see the listing again, and the order flips again. And the tribe of Judah is like number two on the first list, and and then drops down to number four. And Gad is up there, and Naphtali's down here. The 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 order is just completely different. So, this is something we see. It's not unique to Revelation chapter 7. So that should tell us something. And what it should tell us is there are unique things in there that we need to focus on. And, the, and Ephraim and Manasseh are your first one. The Levites are another one, right? But before we get there... We see also in Numbers, somebody grab, who's, okay, Janet, you ready? Go to Numbers 1, verse 32, and then we're going to go to verse, you're going to read all, well, you're going to just focus on verse 32 and 33. We see Ephraim show up again, okay? And this is going to go to the point uh, that Rick made. Go ahead. From the sons of Joseph, from the descendants of Ephraim, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Ephraim was 40,500. All right, so stop right there. Who's not mentioned right there with Joseph? Manasseh. 
Well, he's the next verse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just hold tight there, Pam. <laughs> but Rick, what was one of the points that you made about jo about Joseph in the in the list? Well, it was, it was uh, the fact that they were uh, born in Egypt, and then it was after they did left. More specifically, you made a point earlier about who's the representation of Joseph in oh, the list. Ephraim. Ephraim. Where does that come from? Where can we go in Scripture and find the backup to what you just said? We just did. And notice, Manasseh, so go to verse 34, and, or, yeah, verse 34 and probably 35, 36. Go ahead. From the descendants of Manasseh, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Manasseh was 32,200. All right, so, so Manasseh, clearly a separate tribe. Not even mentioned with Joseph. So here's the point. Manasseh, in the event with Jacob and Israel, Manasseh is a separate, completely separate tribe. Manasseh is. Ephraim is not. Why is that? Well, we just read it. Go back to verse 32 and 33. Go back to 32 and 33. From the sons of Joseph, from the descendants of Ephraim, all the men 20 years. But, but mine listed like from the sons of Joseph, and it lists Ephraim, and then it lists Manasseh. It's like yeah. identical. That's not how the grammar works. That's how you're reading the grammar. <laughs> Well, I mean, Ephraim had more in number. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I'm like, damn, to me, I'm, I'm seeing Ephraim yep. instead of Joseph in this particular listing. You know, another listing, Joseph is listed instead of Ephraim. But I, just like Pam, I, I mean, I see Ephraim and Manasseh both equally listed here. But Manasseh's never taken out of the list, is he? No. Who is? Who is? Ephraim names not there. That's there you go. So but that's not why but why Ephraim and not Manasseh? I know this is a brain bender. <laughs> go ahead, Jan. What are you finding over there? Well, his is listed very differently than mine, but look see how it's listed out. And you're right, it's just grammatically how yeah, it's put. So grammar and this is a point like, we we'll make. See, like from the sons yeah, of Joseph, from the so sons of Joseph. Colon, like Ephraim mm -hmm. and then Manasseh. Yeah, and that's so interesting, like, right? But his is listed very differently. Uh -huh. It's like Joseph is like Ephraim, and it's included with Joseph, but Manasseh is so not. Back, so we're back. Grammar. Yeah. Translation. So one of the last things she said, though, was Joseph was included in Ephraim, but not with Manasseh. Right, so we have a position. So we don't want to spend too much time, but this makes the point, right? So you have a translation over here that says, wait a minute. Uh, we really want to separate this more specifically because we have these two sons that are clearly from Joseph. Joseph is a tribe in and of himself in the original list. Now we have these two sons. We want to connect them and associate them directly with Joseph. Okay? So the way that that's done in your translation is you got this colon. Yeah. And what's that colon telling you grammatically? Grammatically, it's listing both sons. Exactly, with under Joseph, with, Joseph. with Joseph. But yet, your translation doesn't do that. Two separate paragraphs. Two separate paragraphs. People of Manasseh. 
Joseph flows in, comma, Ephraim. So now Ephraim becomes the lead in the Joseph tribe. And it even says, and it ends at verse 33, it ends, it doesn't name Joseph, right? It says Ephraim, of the tribe of Ephraim, you've got X amount of people. Then you go to Manasseh. And the listing, by the way, when you follow it, it's the same as the other tribes. When you're, when you're going from one tribe to the next tribe to the next, except with Joseph and Ephraim. Now, Ephraim, we know, his name is going to be removed from the list. It is. Literally. It's literally removed from the list. You've got it. There's no argument about that. But it's very clear that he adopted both Manasseh and Ephraim as sons. Oh, figure. What is this? What is this mystery? Why is this happening? Okay. Possibly they were... I love this. One. This is awesome. Instead of two boys, they made it one. Now remember now, may God add. That's Joseph's name, right? Ephraim and Manasseh are made equal tribes. But yet there's this lingering Ephraim is always connected directly with Joseph. We see Ephraim's name removed from the tribal list in Revelation chapter 7. And Revelation is given to John from who? From Jesus. <laughs> and we're back to 12 tribes. But we have another tribe that's added in. So we're going to move on. This will start coming together, I promise you. We'll gel it together. But this is awesome. Because you see, wait a minute, I've got to look at this. And I can't just look at my one version and say I've got it figured out because all of a sudden you go to your son and his version is like, wait a minute, put on the brakes. And all of a sudden grammar matters. And one day maybe I'll just, we'll, we'll just go through a whole bunch of passages of scripture and show you how grammar changes what you think you're reading. Okay? But, but grammar matters. And there's a message being told to us. Now all of a sudden we get in, somebody brought up, I think it was Tammy last week, brought up one list is an inheritance list. So the first list is the sons in birth order. Another list, when we get to numbers and, and, and all that, we have an inheritance list and a, and a jobs list, basically, in, as it pertains to one tribe. So go ahead and read. We've got the Levites. They're, they're removed in this second list. And they're, they're, not, they're not being counted for war, right? And why is that? Go ahead, Jan. Verse 47 through 50. The families of the tribe of Levi, however, were not counted along with the others. The Lord had said to Moses, You must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of the other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony over all its furnishings and everything belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all of its furnishings. They are to take care of it and camp around it. Wow, so right here, we're now told the Levites are special, right? Man, they're, they're put in with the tabernacle and dealing with all the things of, of, the, of the tabernacle, the tent of tabernacle. So this is now the priesthood. And that's interesting, right? Because who was the first? Well, really, Moses was a priest, right? And then who was the priest? designated by Moses, by God and Moses. Aaron, okay? So now the Levites is a tribe. The Levites are made the priesthood. Now that has theology in it. 
Their, their names are removed from the second list because they're set aside for God and for the nation of Israel. And we know the nation of Israel in Genesis 18 is they're a nation of priests. The whole nation, every single one of them, are priests. And, there's, and there'd be priests to the nations. So you have this special called people. And within them, you have the priesthood who deals with the temple. And they don't get something. Somebody go to Joshua chapter 13, verse 14. Do I have a Joshua taker? And you're going to read verse four, or chapter 14 as well. Go ahead, Lane. Okay. I can feel it. I knew you were saying <laughs> that. I want to read it. You go to Joshua chapter 13, verse 14. Yeah. All right, so read that. But to the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance. No inheritance. Since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance as he promised them. So the food, no land. They're given no land, nothing, right? So go to Joshua 14, verses 3 through 6. So, man, they're the priesthood. They're not given any land to possess. Their inheritance is the food. Now, wow, that's kind of amazing. Well, what, what, what's Jesus' body to us? Man, are we supposed to worry about our food? What does it tell us, man... How are we fed? By every word. What? Every word of God. Man that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. And who's Jesus? In the beginning was the word. word, And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh. And the Levites. Lots of theology here. Their inheritance is the word. It's the food that God has given them. Man, that's telegraphing what's to come. Right? So... Chapter 14, verse 3 through 6. Okay. I'm Mo trying to speak. Yep. Moses had granted the two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest. For Joseph's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in, with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, I don't know, the Kezanite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. So Joshua lets us know. They, they get no inheritance. They get no land. They have some cities. They don't own the cities, but the cities are there for them to live in. And they have pasture land that they can use for their flocks and all of that. And their food comes from the Lord. So the Levites are not on the list in numbers. That should tell us something. But they it, travel. Don't they travel? With, uh, absolutely. Yeah. They travel. They take care of them. Man, they're in the center. The Tent of Tabernacles put up and all the tribes get, you know, they set up, they station their, their tribes and their people and their tents in order around the tabernacle. And oh, by the way, nobody but the Levites can go to the tabernacle or what? Be put to death. They're put to death. So none of the other tribes can step foot on this sacred ground, only the Levites. And this is the whole time during the temple period, first and second temple period. Yeah, they're definitely listed in the Revelation. Yeah, so now we get to something really interesting, right? Well, before we get to that, Joshua, somebody grab Joshua chapter 17. Hey, Stephanie, why don't you grab that one? You're going to like this one. <laughs> Yeah, Joshua 17, verse 17 and 18. 
And we're going to finish this, so y'all hang tight with me. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farther extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. All right, so here they are. They're a great people. Joshua, they've come into the promised land. They're, they're looking at him saying, hey, you two guys, you're a great people. Where is that coming from? Why is Joshua recognizing that they're a great people? It goes all the way back to Genesis 38 that you started with. And there's a prophecy. <laughs> there, there, there is a prophetic promise to Jacob contained in Genesis 38. Okay? 38? Or, no, 38. Am I right? No, 48. I'm sorry. Verse 1 through 6. Read it again and tell me if you can find what the prophetic promise is. Okay. Sometime later, Joseph was told, Your father is ill, so he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at us in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of people, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Any children born to you after them will be yours in the territory they inherit. In the territories they inherit, they will be reckoned under the names of the brothers. All right, so... There's a promise made that's, that's made to Jacob about being a community of peoples, right? Now, another translation, we won't go, but actually breaks it up and says that you're going to be a, uh, how, how's it go? It's like a community or what have you, but then it says you're going to be nations, okay? So there's two promises made there. So verse 19, yeah. I'm going to read this to you, okay? And Joseph said to his father, not this way, so going back to Stephanie, right? The father gives a double portion blessing to Ephraim, Jacob does, to Ephraim and Manasseh. So he tells him, hey, bring them over here. I'm going to bless them. And here's what he does. He crosses. What? He crosses his arms, and he puts his right hand on the head of Ephraim, the youngest, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh. What we got here? We got this right. Right. So he's going to give them a double portion. And and what is what does Joseph do? He says, "Oh, wait a minute. No, don't do that. You got that wrong." He actually grabs the hand of Jacob and goes to switch it. Okay. And here's what here's what Jacob says. So when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. So Joseph didn't like this, right? And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since the one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. And he said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people. So he's talking about Manasseh. He's saying he also will become a people. And he also shall be great. 
Okay? Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Plural. What? So there's this prophetic promise that's given to Jacob, and Jacob passes it on to the two sons of Ephraim who were added, and one of them, Ephraim, not Manasseh, Manasseh is up, he's a tribe of the sons of Israel. A company, that's what it was. It says you're going to be a company of people. And from you, nations, plural, meaning outside of Israel. That promise is fulfilled in Ephraim. Ephraim, all the nations are coming out of Ephraim. And Ephraim, guys, this has got huge theological implications. We, you're looking at us. Okay? Spiritually, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm bringing them all in. And it goes all the way back to Jacob. And that prophecy and promise was fulfilled in Ephraim himself. Ephraim is never separated from Joseph completely. And Ephraim disappears from the list of the tribes. And why? Levi's put back in in the New Testament or in Revelation. Why? Man, what happened to the temple? It was destroyed in 70 AD. Levi is removed. His priesthood is what? It's done. The priesthood of Levi in the temple is finished. It's all culminated in Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus has come for the masses. We won't go through this, but what about Joseph? Joseph is given an inheritance because some say he's removed from the list on the second list because he doesn't get an inheritance, but he does. If you read on in chapter 48, verse 21 and 22, man, Jacob says, hey, for you, Joseph, I've got this hillside. I've got this mountain slope that I've kept just for you, okay? None of your brothers. I'm giving it to you. So he does get a land inheritance. He gets the side of a mountain. Joshua 24, 32 tells us where that mountain is. It's Shechem, okay? Because Joshua is buried at Shechem on the mountain side that God, that his father gave him. Guess what else happened at Shechem? Jesus goes to the well to the Samaritan woman, and he's thirsty, and he goes to the well at Shechem, Joshua, Joshua's, or, yeah, Joseph's well. He goes to the well at Shechem, and the woman, the Samaritan woman, who comes and gives him water, and what does he say to her? He said, man, if you only knew, you would ask of me living water. <laughs> wow. Ephraim, nations, Jesus, the Samaritan woman, if, if you only knew who you were asking this, and what did she, she gets saved. And she goes and tells her community. And Rahab at Jericho, Rahab is, is a Gentile, and she is in the direct lineage of who? Jesus. Tribe of Dan, we'll, we'll, we'll end here. Some say Dan's removed because Dan led the Israel, Israelites into idolatry. There's another interesting passage about Dan that he's going to be a judge against Israel. That's interesting. Judah at the head of the list. 
That's obvious, right? Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you go and read Genesis chapter 49, which I encourage you to do, uh, Jacob speaks prophetically over all of his sons and basically tells them what their life is going to be. And he spends a lot of time on Judah that's prophetic of the Messiah. And the priesthood has changed. It's culminated and fulfilled in Christ. Man, lists mean something. Lord, we thank you, Father, for who you are. I just praise you and just ask, Lord, that you minister to us that you speak to our hearts and strengthen us. There's so much more for us to gain from all of this, and I just pray that you lead us into that. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.